Welcome to episode 144 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anyone who likes going out under the stars. And uh, I'm pretty tired. I should mention that at the start of this. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you observe. Uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, burn, Burning the candle at both ends is never easy. Um, yes, you know the especially when you do the the tenting or camping astronomy, um, there there's a limited lifetime there. <laughs> you know, it, you yes. can't do that forever. Um, and, it catches up to you. Yeah, yeah. So how how was your uh, weekend, Shane? What did you get up to? Before we jump into this, I have some hot news or news Ooh. that's maybe hot off the presses. Um, just uh, just before we sat down to record, I was you know just flipping through Twitter and. Um, I see that the American Astronomical Society, uh, they tweeted out that, uh, I'll just read it here. Uh, we are pleased to announce the acquisition of the remarkable inventory of books, star atlases, and software produced Ooh. and sold by Wilman Bell. Um, uh, we are expecting Whoa. to make, yeah, we are expecting to make Wilman Bell titles available for purchase through Sky and Telescope's online store uh, by the end of October. Um, so that's great news. I should have sold all my stuff last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So, you know, Wilman Bell makes, uh, well, they publish a lot of books that Chris and I talk about, right? Like the, uh, the bright star Atlas, the night sky observers guide. Night sky the observers guide. Yeah. 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 Lots of books that we love. Um, and all of those books became almost prohibitively, you know, like so expensive because, uh, like Wilman Bell stopped publishing, Mm. Um, so it's great, you know, now that, uh, these titles will be back, prices should get back to where, you know, it's reasonable and people will have some opportunities to buy these great books. So that's awesome. Wow. That is some news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I did, uh, I did retweet that from our account as well, just to bring some wow. exposure to it. But, um, yeah, I thought people would want to hear, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. We, we don't really go over notes too much before we, uh, we record. So that was news to me. That's very uh, good and exciting news. I'm really yeah. happy to, uh, to hear that. Yeah. So, and, uh, and the smoke cleared out for a week, but it's back today. Yeah. Back with a vengeance. Whew. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Like, and this is like ground smoke now. It's not just the, you know, high in the sky smoke, um, yeah. which is not good, but, uh, you know, before that came in, we had a clear ish weekend, um, uh, Friday night was phenomenal. Um, now yeah. I, I didn't go, uh, to grasslands with you guys, but, um, I did a lot of backyard observing that night and wow, like the seeing was like rock, like solid as a rock. It was really nice. Uh, the transparency was pretty darn good. It, it's probably one of the best planetary nights we've had here in Regina. Um, oh gee, in, in a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible. I, I spent, um, I'd say the better part of three hours just looking at Jupiter and Saturn. I really didn't look at anything else. Mm. Um, I just went back and forth between the two planets and I was using my 76 millimeter refractor and, um, yeah, you know, the power, the power was like, because of the, like the conditions were so good. Um, I was able to, you know, dial up the power to a, a decent amount, but, um, where I kind of settled was, let me just do the math about 90 times. Um, it could take way more, but I just, I, I preferred the view at about 90 times. And, um, 
the detail on Jupiter was just phenomenal. Like I was able to see um, like the usual suspects, the Southern equatorial and the Northern equatorial belt, both polar regions, but you know, it's a real good night when you can start to pull out like the, uh, uh, the Northern temperate belt, uh, the North tropical zone, the Northern temperate zone. Yeah. I was, I was seeing all of these other regions within the clouds, which are much smaller, much more subtle, um, and like, again, like, like kind of jaggedness within the cloud bands, uh, like unevenness, there was no great red spot visible that night. Um, but gee, the detail and, and just the color variations within the, uh, the Jupiter cloud bands were phenomenal, um, on Saturn, um, you know, the Cassini division was very evident, um, all the way around and, um, uh, you could see the shadow that the rings cast upon the planet, and then you could see some of the um, uh, different cloud bands as well on the disk of Saturn. Um, one thing that I was that, that I found kind of interesting actually is uh, I did step up the power. I, when I was looking at uh, Saturn, I was just over 100 times power. I was using a five millimeter orthoscopic eyepiece, and um, actually prior to that, I was using the Nikon Nav, the wide field good eye relief eyepiece that you love quite a bit. And yeah. it's a, it's a really yeah. nice eyepiece. And then I thought, um, I just want to pop in the ortho to see if anything really changes. And what blew my mind was, um, all of a sudden, uh, Tethys, uh, one of, uh, Saturn's brighter moons, but it's still like magnitude 10.6 or something like that popped into view. And, nice. you know, I could see it direct with direct vision sometimes like, you know, during like perfect moments, but then other times with averted vision and I went back to the Nikon and I just could not see Tethys. And, mm. uh, like I, I repeated this over and over and, um, I thought I'd just mention that because, you know, I'm a bit of an advocate, you know, on the podcast for some of the simpler glass or, or the orthoscopic eyepieces. And, um, this is, you know, for the most part, the, the ortho and, and like the nav or any other eyepiece is probably going to basically show you a lot of the same stuff, but here's, you know, a small example where the ortho was able to show me just a little bit more. Um, yeah. and, uh, I thought that was worth mentioning, but Sorry, what was, and, what was the ortho again? Yeah, uh, it was the, the, uh, um, Oh no, you know what? Uh, sorry. It was the, it was, I did this with the six millimeter ortho, uh, Pentex, uh, SMC ortho. Oh yeah. Um, but the five millimeter for the direct comparison was my, uh, TMB super mono. My apologies. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's two different eyepieces that are, you know, there's nothing similar there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but, but even the six millimeter ortho showed it quite well, which was yeah. interesting. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, then Saturday night, um, basically like kind of a rinse and repeat of the observing, except the seeing was nowhere near as good. And, uh, I think some smoke maybe was starting to come in Saturday night. I, I didn't feel yeah. the transparency was quite as good. Um, yeah. so I didn't do as much planetary. What I, I had the, uh, the mini Borg 50 millimeter. Uh, so I, I, was, I should back up. I was using my Burla back T mount. So I have the, uh, option of putting two telescopes on this thing. Um, so I had the 76 millimeter on one side, and then I had the mini Borg 50 millimeter on the right-hand side, but I put it into two inch mode <laughs> just for some extreme wide field. So I was, I was panning through Cassiopeia and, uh, was just comparing, um, uh, the panoptic, my 41 millimeter panoptic 
you know, the edges just weren't that sharp and it, it broke down pretty quick off axis. Um, you know, the, the F five, the, the super fast optics of that Borg, um, yep. it's a real stress test on any eyepiece and, and really the, the big pan optic didn't quite handle it that well, but you know, that 31 millimeter Nagler, um, sure did a good job. You know, that yeah. is the eyepiece to use there. It's pretty much, uh, you know, no aberrations to maybe the last 10% or so of that field of view. It was, uh, it was really nice and, but just so awkward with the balance and I, you know, it's just not practical, but you know, provides yeah. some pretty stunning views when you, when you're operating like that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, anyway. that's why I kind of, I like oh. to mount it up on the hundred millimeter works pretty good that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. How was, how was your weekend at grasslands? Yeah, it was uh, really good. Uh, Friday night was was spectacular. I think that was the best night of the year. Um, it was super, super dark and clear and transparent there. And Saturday was okay. Probably, probably Saturday though. It was probably no better than my reasonably dark site here, closer to the city. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was good. Um, we certainly could show lots to people, but uh, it, it wasn't as good as as the night before yeah so uh, uh mike came down and uh had another astronomer uh come down a uh, person we had just met at uh at the uh, west block the week before he'd actually come down to some of our events before like pre-pandemic and then uh ended up buying a really nice 250 millimeter um skywatcher reflector and brought that along and, and he actually participated and given views to the public. He had never, I don't think he had ever done anything like that before. So oh, wow. that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Is he from around here then? I would. Yeah. So, so he's from around here and, uh, has, has just really started picking up astronomy. Seems like he's really picking up quite well, actually pretty, pretty good at finding things like, uh, you know, the, the regular messies like M81 and M82 and, you know, like the Triangulum Galaxy. And, you know, if we talked about something and kind of showed him where it was in the sky, he could he could get it pretty easy. So definitely he has the uh, the knack there and kind of has been tooling around with it for a bit. But I think he wants to get a little bit more serious. So I think he actually wants to start uh, observing with us, which is which is great. Everybody is yeah. uh, is always always welcome to kind of to kind of learn the art, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I love observing with, uh, with, you know, friends and, and people that you can observe with somewhat regularly. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's nice that he has a, a telescope or at least like an aperture of, yeah. of something that none of us have. So <laughs> yeah. I, I like to have that variety when we do go observing. So that would be, yeah. Great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was nice. He, he, uh, is familiar with like a line, like he's, he's figured out how to do the main things like align it and all that kind of stuff. And we spent a long time with it looking at uh, some of the globulars like uh, M15 in uh, Pegasus. We looked at M2, looked at M81 and M82. Uh, we looked at the Swan, I think, and um, the uh, the Eagle Nebula and some of the uh, dark lanes in M24. And I mean, yeah, I, whew, yeah, it was uh, sort of a, a bit of a whirlwind week. So I'd done... Um, what did I, what did I do? We did, uh, two sets of public nights each of the past two weekends. And so this past weekend we had about, uh, I think 80 people out viewing and uh weekend before we had, uh, pretty close to that. So yeah, just, uh, kind of, kind of feeling it a bit. So yeah, pretty, pretty neat to be able to get out. And it's really neat when you, you have somebody come out who 
has attended the events in the past and then kind of gradually gotten into, into it. And now they're kind of helping us out with the events. So, yeah, but I ended up doing uh, four astronomy presentations and several sky tours over the past two weekends. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, so that's four, awesome. four astro presentations, I think, each weekend, and then three or four sky tours each weekend. So, it's like a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did you take out a telescope this weekend? Yeah, I took out a telescope. I didn't really use it that much. I used it one night a bit just to kind of show people. Um, a few things actually had somebody, um, who had attended my class and they, uh, and I, I, they had gotten, had received binoculars as a gift and like in a, uh, a nice reclining chair. And I toured them around a bit. That was, that was really great because we'd actually talked with that earlier in the year. And so, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, being able to spend that kind of time with somebody that I'd spent some, some considerable time with like online talking about this stuff and then to be able to actually go out and do it now. Um, felt really good and, uh, and they, they seem to get a huge kick out of it and we're really, really enjoying, uh, finding stuff. Like I, I pointed, you know, I pointed my, okay, like this is Antares, it's the brightest star in Scorpius. And I had them, they had their binoculars, I'm like put your binoculars on there and then just kind of look a bit to the right and you'll, and then, you know, they were like, Whoa, I can see this smudgy thing. Is that a galaxy? And like, well, it's not a galaxy. It's M4. It's part of our galaxy. And it's a globular cluster. And anyway, it's really cool to just be able to point out a star and then kind of get people to go a little bit left or down or whatever, and then have them land on like a globular cluster or the Andromeda galaxy or Mm -hmm. the double cluster. So because it's so dark there, um, you can just do it like that. And then people are really quite blown away. um, And that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've said it before that the, the first couple of times we went down to the grasslands that that was my first experience with like, uh, you know, I would say like a super dark site. I, I had mm-hmm. been to a number of other dark sites before, but nothing is as dark as there. No. And, and it was a little disorienting almost, um, because you can see so many deep sky objects, just naked eye. And it yeah. was kind of like, Whoa, it, <laughs> what, what am I looking at again? And, you know, you look at the main stars and be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in Sagittarius. This is right. I'm just seeing a lot of stuff that I normally can't see or, or wherever it might be in the sky. Right. Yeah. Like I, I find for me, it's, it's Cassiopeia that, that blows me away. Like mm. you think about the, the prominent W feature and, and from down there, that, that almost just that those bright stars hardly seem any brighter than all the other stars that are in that area. Just that whole region is like a star cloud. It's mm. so bright. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a hundred um, or more stars that you can see sort of in and around those, that, that W pattern. It's just so rich. And then like, uh, you know, we we're looking at uh, Perseus um, and that means section around alpha Persei is an open cluster and just, just how bright that is through, through binoculars. And, and it, it's really neat because you can stand there and kind of explain to people that it's a cluster and the sky there is so good. People say, oh yeah, I can kind of see how that would be a cluster. Um, but typically it doesn't really, it just looks like sort of a few scattering stars and mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't really look like a cluster at all. So yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty fantastic just, just to be able to go down there and, and do that. And uh, people were really appreciative. We had a, we had a, an amazing, good. um, you know, group of attendees, uh, you know, really, um, diverse group. And, you know, I really like that. I kind of really enjoy partnering with parks, parks, Canada, and some of the other groups that, that we do work with because they're able to really reach, um, quite a wide, uh, audience. And, uh, you know, I always like to be able to, um, you know, talk to all kinds of, uh, 
you know, diff- different people and, and give them that experience, you know, to, to really provide, uh, you know, all, all kinds of people, young and old and, you know, you know, everybody in between kind of thing, you know, we had, we had kids there that were like five. We had people there that, that at least to me looked like they're much older than five. So, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was really good, really, really good fun. But uh, yeah, it got, it got hot though. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing with that location too, is, is that part of the province that we live in um, like, you know, that, that area is essentially, you know, a lot of character characteristics similar with deserts and, uh, oh, it's you know, a desert. Yeah, yeah. Cold at night. Um, and then really hot in the morning or day yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. It went, it was about 40 above during the 40, day, 40 Celsius. Yeah. It was, it was about 40 Celsius. Like, uh, the nearest weather station, weather, the one that I checked, I didn't check the one there. Cause feel like i don't know anyway that that one that's supposedly there they say is for another location so i always find that confusing i checked another one that's about 50 kilometers away it said 34 i was reading 37 38 and somebody else said it was 40 so it was somewhere between like 37 and 40 yeah. um and it felt hot like just talking to other people people say it, it felt like 40 like it definitely felt that warm and there's no shade there um, you can't really sleep in the afternoon. You die if you like try to tuck into a tent or anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, if it's 40 degrees outside, it's 50 or more degrees inside of a tent. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. It was, it was really hot. So I, I kind of get in my car a bit and, and had the air conditioning on for, for a bit. Uh, and then, yeah, by, and, and I was surprised like the first night it cooled down, but it, it didn't get cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we, uh, I did some presentations and then we started observing with people at about nine 30 or so and went until people stayed for about till about 11. And then they, people like the public went to bed and then three or four of us stayed up and, and just observed together, which was really, and it's just like, you know, all together, like at one telescope and, and did some observing. And then, uh, and then, and then we kind of piled off to bed about quarter to one or one o'clock um, and that first day was only, I think it was just 32 or so when I got there, it wasn't quite as hot. Mm-hmm. And at night it went to about, I don't know, maybe like 13 or 14 or something. Like it wasn't that, wasn't that cool. Like I put a coat on hat, but that was it. I didn't have gloves or lined pants on or anything. And the next night after the heat, it went down to about eight. So it went oh, from wow. about 38 to about eight. So we had about a 30 degree, uh, temperature, uh, drop or temperature delta or whatever you call it so it, it, you can just feel that your cells like you know just the your body cells um are like little elastics and and you can almost feel them kind of tearing tearing at you it was just such a such a sheer in in temperature um so that that is kind of kind of brutal down there and some people were saying oh we should come back in like september or october and i'm like man it's still hot. Like I I've been down there in October and it's, you know, like even the day you and I went down, it was pretty warm that day. And yep. and that night it went to minus 20 or whatever it was. So the way yeah. Goes, yeah. 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 Well, I'm hoping, um, uh, I think it's the long weekend here in September is the next new moon. So, uh, hoping for good weather and, uh, potentially a trip down there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll probably preserve my site here. I think I've I'm going to, I'm going to try to go down, I think for Thanksgiving and do, uh, yeah. do, do that session down there with, uh, you know, one of our listeners had, had written and said that they were thinking about going and, uh, 
And they were, they were somebody I've been communicating with outside of this whole podcast and before the podcast anyway. So um, I think it would be cool. I think they're going to bring down like a 17 and a half inch scope or something. So that would be pretty exciting. Yeah. 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 Hopefully that all works out. Um, the uh, <clears throat> one of our patterns sometimes in the fall is, is we get like a month of rain. So <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully that doesn't, well, actually we could use it, I suppose, but um, you know, for astronomical purposes, hopefully we do get some clear nights. Yeah, it's supposed to rain for about the next week, they're saying. And it, it it sucks because, you know, I really wish we had gotten that in in June, not only for us as astronomers, which is kind of secondary, but yeah. one, it probably would have, you know, done something to prevent as many fires and that has a huge impact on people. And and the crops are kind of stunted because they didn't we didn't get the rains in June. And now we're gonna get them when people are trying to harvest what uh, what crops they have, but uh Hopefully these these storms come across and hit some of the fires that are around. I mean, if we do get all this rain and they kind of go the right way, uh, it should improve the the fire and smoke conditions here at least locally and and hopefully in those areas where some people have been evacuated. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that happens. Yeah. So I did, and I did do a session. I think I talked a little bit about it last week, but I forgot to mention this. I did do a session out at my site in between those. So I I had gone to West Block of Grasslands one weekend. I went to East Block this past weekend. And uh, and in between, I went out to my site and did some observing. Um, I got my water heater in, <laughs> so that's good. And my roof sealed, so now I can't see the stars when I'm sitting on my sofa. It's unfortunate, but uh, the rain won't come in when it rains. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, so yeah. And, and that that's kind of like no joke. It's, it's, it's kind of a shack out there for for warming up, but I want, I want it to be a warm room. I got some insulation put in too. So it will actually be warm in, in the winter, I hope. But uh, I had to look at that RS off Yuki, that uh, Nova um, there in uh, off Yukis that, uh, that had brightened up. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the one Clark sent us an email about, right? Yeah. Yeah. He sent us that email the week before last. And then uh, I had it on my list to look at, but I forgot to look at it from the grasslands, but I looked at it with, uh, with my binoculars just from my site and uh, yeah, I could see it. It seemed like it was not sixth magnitude, but pretty close to it. it didn't do like a magnitude estimate or submitted or anything, but yeah, it was kind of, kind of neat to hunt that down um, sort of in a, a blank area. So it was, uh, it was relatively easy to, uh, to hunt down. Did you have a chance to take a look at it? No, no, I haven't. Um, and you know, we, we probably should talk a little bit about this. Um, I meant to bring it up on the podcast we recorded previously here because Clark had sent that email, but, um, I don't think we've actually mentioned this yet on the podcast and that's, uh, that there's a Nova in Ophiuchus. Uh, so, you know, a star going Nova. Um, I think Clark said he estimated the magnitude. It was in the fours. I can't remember if it was like 4.2 or 4.8 or something like that, but, Basically, once you get to that level of brightness, um, some urban, like some people will be able to see that even from like a city or light polluted skies, because that is extremely bright. And mm. I believe the star that went Nova, like it's normal mag- magnitude was around like 10 or 11. So 11, yeah. Yeah. Like it's a faint star uh, and, and to go up that many notches of magnitude is a pretty significant event. Yeah. Um, the AAVSO was all over this and sending out alerts and all sorts of uh, notifications, uh, you know, so uh, you can't predict a Nova when, when they happen and you know, they're this spectacular, it certainly draws attention. And uh, 
Um, I think it's still pretty bright. Um, I'm not sure what the current magnitude of it is, but it's certainly worth uh, you know adding to your observing list and, and seeing if you can take this one in. What's really neat, I don't know if you had a chance, Chris, to listen to uh, Phil's message that he sent us. Yeah, I took a listen to that, yeah. Yeah, so Phil uh, often sends us audio messages and uh, it was really interesting because he was, um, he was out uh, camping um, in a, a fairly dark location by the sounds of it. And in the message he sent to us, he mentioned going through a fucus, but um, there was a bright star there that really was confusing. It wasn't in any of the star maps or atlases and was wondering yeah. what he may have saw. <laughs> yeah. It was the Nova is what he saw. So that, yeah. that's pretty yeah, I, awesome. Yeah, I think, I think it probably was. But uh, yeah, so these Nova, what, what they are is they're, uh, they're faint stars, like Shane was saying, and they, uh, they brighten up though. Um, and I think what happens is there's like two, there's like two stars really. And then one of them is pulling material off the other star. And then that, that causes, uh, you know, more material to be few, like to go through the fusion process. And then, uh, you know, as a result is giving up more photons. So it causes this sudden, uh, brightening. So they brighten way up and then they gradually dim over subsequent weeks. But, uh, but I think now it, it's going to be getting fairly faint because even when I was observing with my binoculars, like I said, it was getting close to about sixth magnitude, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I'll do that with my telescope too. Now that I think about it, it's everything's a little bit of a blur from the past week. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, they, they brighten up and you can see them for a bit. Usually there's, there's one every, every year or so. Um, but yeah, I, I really wish I'd remembered to um, take a look at it when we were down in, in West block that night, that it was, uh, that it was so clear because Wow, that was uh, that was a phenomenal uh, night that we had uh, there the week the week before when it when it would have been uh, a little bit brighter still. So yeah, but oh well, yeah. Yeah. oh well, yeah. It was just so nice to uh, be able to get some observing in, just given all of the the smoke and and you know cloudy nights and things that have prevented us from seeing anything. So uh, you know, it just felt so good to have a telescope out again and. And, uh, man, I love it. I hope we can get out of this smoke soon and just get back to normal observing cadences. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. And I'm kind of, you know, not that I don't love doing the, the work with, uh, with the grasslands national park. Uh, I, I certainly love, uh, working with the folks there. The park staff are, are amazing. And I mean, they're, they're getting to be pretty good, um, at finding stuff and kind of showing the public, like, you know, they really impressed me uh, so many times, you know, with, with their depth of knowledge and, you know, they, they, what they do is they, they each try to learn like a handful of things really well. Mm-hmm. So they, and they, they told me this cause I said, wow, that's like really amazing. You know, they, they, they get a good selection of objects. Like they'll, they'll figure out like a set of double stars and some, you know, open clusters and a couple globular clusters and like, uh, you know, the Andromeda galaxy and like the showpiece objects and then the planets and that. So they, they kind of get like seven or eight things really nailed down super well and often, you know, when we're out observing, that's probably all you end up showing like a crowd like that anyway. So, so even, even if they only know that they know them so well, and they've like read up on all the history on that, on them, that it, it looks like they have it, the whole sky, like locked down, right. You know, it's really, yeah. really cool. So I, I was super impressed. Um, and so what, what I did is instead of kind of doing that stuff, cause I mean, really, once you have five, four or five of them doing that, which we did, um, I, I let them just do the telescope stuff. And then I did sky tours with people either one-on-one or, or small groups, or, you know, then, uh, every night I did at least one or two, um, with the entire, um, set of people who, who were out for the most part. Um, yeah, because, you know, when, when they're giving like that, 
you know, the way the Parks Canada works, you know, and for those that aren't familiar, Parks Canada is our national park system here in, here in Canada. And our organization, the RASC, has partnered with them to make dark sky preserves in many of the, the uh, Parks Canada uh, locations. Um, but the Parks Canada interpreters have like an interpretation process that, that they do when they, when they do things. And it's really, it's really awesome. And I've learned a lot from them uh, and doing events with them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then they, they kind of enjoy having me there, I think, because I, I kind of have, have sort of a more broad spectrum understanding of, of the night sky and can, if people come up and ask for something like, you know, they, they might be looking for a particular star, or maybe there's, there's a cluster or something they'd heard of before. I can kind of give them that and I'll go through the history and some of the constellations and, and kind of detail out the Milky Way and, and what they're actually seeing of the Milky Way, because from there you can see the, the central bulb, Jane. So I was kind of explaining what that was and kind of pointing that out, out to people and, you know, what, what that looks like. And you can see it with your eye, which is uh, pretty spectacular to be able to see the central bulge of our own galaxy is, is it, I, I think that's a unique experience. So, and I think a lot of people were very excited. I heard um, somebody calling somebody the next day and, and just, uh, very excitedly telling whoever was on the other end of the phone, um, you know, what they saw in the Milky Way and, and what they saw of the planets when they were looking through the park scope. So it, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of get that kind of feedback. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think those nights for um, the public people that probably haven't looked uh, uh, through a telescope or maybe you've never been under a real dark sky, um, you know, the experience that they have there is probably something they'll carry for a long time, maybe the rest of their lives. And, you know, I hope to, you know, I, I think maybe one of the things I haven't done a good enough job when I'm down there, you know, participating and, and you know, helping people, uh, you know, look through the telescopes and all that stuff is just, you know, how special of a location that is as yeah. well. Like you could go somewhere else and do astronomy and, and it'll be great, but like you're at one of the primo locations to do it. And, you know, the stuff that you see here probably won't look any better anywhere else. And in fact, in most cases, it will not look as good in many, many other places. So, so yes. it's like such a great opportunity and, and like, it's just world-class astronomy down there. Yeah. It's, it's just spectacular there. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, we had a, had a lot of the, uh, uh, the park superintendents and other people show up and, uh, you know, I, I think, I think the astronomy is, is really on the radar. I know when we started uh, working with them down there, I think about uh, 10 or 12 years ago or whatever it was. And I know the astronomy was just one of several different things that they do there. And I think that uh, it was probably out of the four or five things they tried, it was probably the least popular, but I think over the, the intervening years um, and just the public interest in astronomy has has really gone up. Even before the pandemic, we were starting to get hundreds mm-hmm. of people out to to the event, and and we were limited, unfortunately, uh, in the numbers that we could have out to these events. And and so people were were driving in because they had heard of it, and uh, and unfortunately had to get uh, had to get turned away by by the park staff. So I'm kind of kind of glad I wasn't working on that end of it. But uh, you know, it, it is that popular where over the course of a couple nights. Uh, even when we have a limit of uh, 40 or 50 people or whatever it was, we, we weren't able to, to accommodate uh, people coming down there. And considering when we were first doing the, these sessions, we, we would get three or four people. I remember one night we got 16 one year and I thought, wow, we'll never hit this number again. I think the next year we had 23 and I thought, Oh, that's just, you know, it's getting crowded down here almost. You know? and, 
you know, now it's, uh, you know, if we, if we totally opened it up, I'm, I'm sure we'd get hundreds of people. Like I'm sure, I'm sure we would. Um, but I, I like the idea of keeping it to like around the, the 40 or maybe next year we'll, we'll do like 50 people or something, because I think when we do keep the numbers down, um, we can kind of give people more of that one-on-one and, and we don't have, we just don't have enough people, like even with four or five park staff supporting us and uh, three or four of us astronomers uh, helping out with the show. I mean, you know, uh, it kind of, you don't want the lines to be, to be too long and to make it too much of a, of a, of a process for, for people to actually get to the telescope. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. They, I think they would almost like to do it monthly, but I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that, but <laughs> Well, it's, it's a lot, right? And, and yeah. the, the other thing that I kind of struggle with a little bit in terms of the balance there is, you know, the, the nights, like the, the new moon nights are, you know, few and far between and, mm. you know, then the good conditions and everything else that has to work in order for you to be able to observe, you know, limits our opportunity to do our own observing. Yeah. And while I really enjoy like, you know, the public outreach, um, you know, I try to balance it so that that's not all that I do because I, you know, I, I have my own observing projects that I would like to work on and, um, you know, I, I can't dedicate all my time to that. So it's, it's, it's a balance and, um, you know, it, it, to do, to do it monthly, like to, to dedicate every new moon to public observing, um, would be, uh, that'd probably be a little too much for me personally. But. Yeah. If I, if I like retired and lived in Belmaria, I would, I would do it. I would, yeah, I would yeah, that's for fair. sure. Yeah. Just, just yeah. for fun. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be, uh, that would be really, really, uh, an awesome thing, uh, to do. But yeah, I know that, uh, there definitely is the public interest to, to run, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of programming down there. But, uh, but anyway, we, we do what we can, I think. And, uh, and then when it is a little bit limited, I think it does make it just that much more special because then people aren't saying, oh, I'll catch the next one kind of thing. You know, yeah. that, uh, if you don't go down that, that weekend or the other weekend in the other block that, uh, that, that, that's it for another year. And, uh, but we did see a lot of people bringing their own gear. That was, that was the first time I saw so many people bring telescopes down there. Oh yeah. Um, okay. and, uh, you know, that, that would be, uh, I think something to, to encourage in, in the future. So yeah, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. 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 That's, that's pretty cool. You know, maybe if that starts becoming more of the norm, uh, maybe one of the public nights could be like kind of the advanced night or something like that, where, you know, you need your own gear and, um, you know, it's just an opportunity for people to use their gear, but then, you know, if they have questions about how to use it or how to find objects, it, uh, you know, there's other astronomers around that can assist or help out and, yeah. uh, to, you know, take out yeah. each to a different yeah, there's, level. There's a lot of, different, yeah, there's a lot of different, different things we could, we could do going going forward. Yeah. I think that the thing that surprised me though, is in the past, we've typically done the sessions with the public on, on the Saturday, having done our own sessions on, on the Friday. Um, but we had way more people show up for the Friday sessions. Hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. That was weird, but nobody could really tell me why that was, but, uh, yeah, like we, we, we could pretty much accommodate everybody on the Saturdays, but on the Friday nights, we, they, they had to turn people away. It was, it was just so, so busy. You know, people were just driving, come like screaming down the roads, you know, trying to get there in time from, you know, all over. And we're like, they, they were telling like, we couldn't even, we couldn't accommodate them. We were at the, at the max number. So, yeah. So yeah, we, we still are under some, some very limited uh, size restrictions when it comes to the federal uh, rules and that, which is, which is good. 
felt uh, pretty safe and all the park staff and I wore masks and that when we were doing the close-up stuff with people and yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I kind of feel a bit rambly. I'm, I'm very tired. I, I think I drove over 2000 kilometers in the past week just for astronomy stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, log in the, log in the miles. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of tired. So we'll, uh, maybe we should take a, take a break and sign off and thank everybody for listening and, and come back and do a short, uh, read through of, uh, some of the great listener emails about, about the observing that, uh, other people have done this summer. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that here in a few minutes. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Thanks, Chris. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>